that we know that even if we don't feel the truths, we know that you are true, Lord. And we can have hope in you and who you are. We are thankful for that. Lord, we know that we have a hope in you. That your goodness will follow us if we put our trust in you, Lord, all the rest of the days of our life. That's an amazing thing. We will be with you forever. I pray that as we prepare to hear from your word, Lord, that we come with ready hearts, ready to hear what you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brendan, for leading us in worship. You're heading back to Chicago soon, is that right? Like next week? Has he been wonderful for us? We thank the Lord for you. Love you, brother. Go Cubs. <laughs> hey, so we're going to take, we're going to get into God's word today uh, in, in several different places, but the, to kick this thing off, uh, it's been on my heart. I've been watching, you've been watching what's going on in our nation. Um, and, and in the midst of that, for us to come and gather and go to prayer for our nation is an important thing. When we start talking about what happened in El Paso, Texas yesterday, then this morning, early morning in, in Dayton, Ohio, then last week in Gilroy, California, the manifestation of what Adam did in breaking mankind and then the manifestation of Cain coming out in mankind, it's ugly. It's, it's, it's disturbing. And for us to come in this morning and go to prayer for our nation, but to go to prayer for, for people that we know that are hurting, and, and people we don't know that are hurting, because there's people in these different places now that their whole lives have been changed through uh, a demented, screwed-up person's actions. True? Just like Abel's. Just like Abel's. This has been going on since the first four humans. This, in the heart of man, is the reality of what we're dealing with, and this is why the gospel for mankind is so important. Amen? The answer to this is to go to prayer for our nation, but the answer for our nation and for this world is Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection for what Adam did, for what came out, so that we might be able to reach the lost with that message, that's the most important thing we can do on this earth until we see him. And by the way, as we go back to the book of Matthew, if you want to turn there with me, Jesus made a statement in Matthew 24. Because the disciples wanted to know about his coming. They said, tell us, when will these things happen that we will see the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. Or in verse 4. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. For you'll be hearing of wars, rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place but that it is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, 
But all these things are merely the beginning of the birth pangs. Folks, as you go on to read what he says is coming, turn now with me over to 2 Timothy. It's the beginning of the birth pangs. What we're watching happen in our world is it's groaning for Christ's return. That's what we're watching happen in our world. What, what, we're, what, what disturbs us is the fact that Christ isn't on the throne yet. Because once he's on the throne, then everything will change here. Until then, the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But realize this, verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. This, we are in the end times. We are. Every Christian that has lived since Christ rose from the dead and made the declarations and the word of God has gone forth has been living in, in light of his return. And what we're watching happen, unfolding in front of us, should not frighten us. It should send us to prayer. And it should send us out with the only message that's going to change the heart of Cain. But Abel broke. Amen? So let's pray together. Father, awesome God, thank you for this morning. And thank you for all these precious souls sitting here. And every precious soul that's out there. You so loved them that you sent your only begotten son. That whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You so loved this broken world, these lost people that you were all in. Father, may it be so with us. We pray for these folks in El Paso and in Dayton and in California. And as we, as we think about these folks that in the last week have been impacted, there's folks that have been impacted over and over and over again by these selfish, treacherous acts. The brokenness of humanity, the lostness, the hopelessness coming out in people. Father, we pray for our nation. We've been praying for revival. Revival happens in the churches. May the fire burn brightly from the churches in America that believe you, believe your word, have placed their faith in Christ, that have the spirit of God in them, that they might go out then. And what we're asking for then is reformation. That, there's no reformation unless there's revival, and we're asking for that in the churches of America, that true love would come out of the churches of America. Your love, self-sacrificing, willing to die for you love. We pray for this nation, Lord. It's sick. We pray for this world, Lord. It's sick and it's groaning. And so Maranatha, our Lord come. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So been thinking a lot. Our middle daughter, Amanda, just had a baby. His name's Henry. There he is. Look at the little guy. What a cutie. Now, I'm a, I'm a good grandpa. I'm not a great grandpa, okay? But as a good grandpa, I'm sitting with my kiddo, this little one, and I'm making mouths at him. Did this with uh, Micah, did this with before Micah Briella, did this before Briella with 
with uh, Wesley. And you, you make little, you know, you stick your tongue at them and they try to stick their tongue out, right? Make an O, they're trying to make a little O. You know what I'm talking about? You guys have been there? Seen babies, right? Here's the deal. If you haven't seen a baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> There'll be another illustration you'll get for sure. I was realizing something about that little baby. He's a little sponge. And he doesn't get to choose. Don't think I've ever thought about it before. That little sponge, that little human sponge is sitting there and whatever's going on around him, he's soaking it up. While he's awake, he's taking it in here. It's going in here. It's going in here. That little sponge. I'm convinced of something. It's why Jesus says we're supposed to come to him like little children. That you come to him like a sponge. Let him fill you. Believe him. Don't trust your thinking. But here's the thing about little kiddos. When they're that little, they don't get a choice. They can't crawl away from it. It's either going to be that they're living in light of what's good around them or living in light of what's evil around them. They're just little sponges. Been thinking a lot about that even as we're looking at what's going on in our world today. I was thinking about that, and guess <laughs> we're a room full of sponges, folks. And, and uh, as we think about his word and what he's decided that, that would be best for us as he's laying these things out for us, and we've been looking at this series in Second Peter in chapter 1, and, and it's in your bulletin. We put it in there in the notes. It's just, it's just hit me that God created us and he gave us the opportunity to choose at a certain point in life. We get input as a sponge, and then we can choose what we're going to put in this sponge. I can choose what I'm going to fill me up with. Every day I can choose. All night long I can choose. And then the reality is, as a sponge, now you've all heard this, right? We got taught this by teachers, parents, grandparents. Garbage in? Right? That means you're a sponge. Because when the pressures of life come, what's in you comes out. And so we even get told that young as a little child going to school. Garbage in, garbage out, Matt. Yes, sir. Jesus told a woman at the well in John chapter 4, if you would ask, I'd give you a spring within you where you'll never thirst again. I'll fill your sponge. You just keep drinking from it. You keep filling yourself up with what I put in you. You've had five husbands. You're living with the sixth man. I've showed up. How about this? You're, I am asking you for a drink, but if you would ask, I would give you something completely different in your heart. You can drink from this and never thirst. He's telling little children, come to him like little sponges. And woe to those who would mess with those little sponges, he says. Why don't you just let me just put a millstone around your neck and throw you over? That seemed harsh, doesn't it? When he said that, Matthew 18, anybody harms one of my little ones, it would be better if you put a millstone around your neck and get cast into the sea. I think Jesus takes this super serious. He takes you super serious. We find out eventually if we're filling our sponge with the right things, the happiness and the joy and the life in the midst of a screwed up world. 
that you can have joy because of who fills you. But we find out eventually if we choose in a certain point we do to fill our sponge with those things that are ugly or draw us away from Christ, we begin to feel empty, lonely, dry, but the reality is we're filled with something though we feel dry. And when pressures come, we can be pretty volatile, even though we feel dry. But he's offering a spring within us where we'll never have to thirst again. And what I realized a long time ago, listening to a really good teacher, he puts the spring within me when I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for all of my sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. He gives me a spirit. He gives me a spring within me, but I got to choose every day to drink. He, he's there. I'm choosing where I, whether I'm going to drink or not. I'm choosing whether I'm filling up or not. From his word, being in prayer, praying without ceasing. And there's three enemies that are coming against me every day, trying to keep me from doing that. You felt it? Satan and his cronies are real. They throw fiery darts at our minds, try to get our thinking off. It's true. The world system energized by Satan and his cronies is real. It's always trying to draw us away from God, always trying to get us focused on the wrong things, always trying to get us to go after something shiny or something dark. But the reality is the third enemy is really the worst one, the most insidious, and that's where, what showed up in El Paso is the flesh. Adam. Cain. That's the dark one. That, that's, that's the one, see, because I don't, I don't have to ever listen to what Satan throws at me in my mind. I can replace it with what God says in his promises. I don't ever have to be drawn and, and leave my Savior to go into the world. I can always go back here and say, no, Lord God, this is a sword. What I'm going to use this to combat those thoughts that would try to draw me away from you. I, the, the reality is either I'm going to do business and with this finite being, and, and Adam is still in there every day for me to fill myself up with Christ, or I begin to drift away and I can find myself blind, short-sighted. Do you know who understood this? Peter understood this. Look at your notes. When Peter denied Christ, the course of his life was at a crossroad. He grieved and ran and hid. Ever felt that? Then the power of the resurrection took place and Peter ran again. Peter ran to the empty tomb. Soon after, the risen Christ met him by the lakeside and he excitedly jumped to his savior and Jesus restored him. Soon Peter received the spirit of God and he preached in Jerusalem and 3,000 people believed. The denier had become a fruit-bearing saint. Then he eventually stopped fellowshipping with anyone that wasn't of Jewish background in his walk with Christ and the apostle Paul had to come and confront him face to face. To his credit, Peter accepted the correction and grew up some more. His faith was being added to, continually added to, and the years went by. Eventually, he wrote what we are reading this morning. There in your notes, we have our passage. We've been studying this passage for eight weeks prior to this, focusing on faith to moral excellence to, and then so on. The gang of eight. Let's read this together, and our focus today is going to be verses eight and nine. Simon Peter, a bondservant, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a faith of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason, also applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge, and in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Peter wrote that. And we got to be really encouraged by the fact that Peter wrote that. Because if you go back and you look and study the life of Peter, Peter, and, and we've talked about this now for a few months, Peter really reveals who we are, who we can be, what can happen in us. You got to love Peter. You just got to love the fact that he's on fire for the Lord and yet also is flawed. I don't, that's like us, right? But the thing about it is Peter revealed as time went on who he was soaking his sponge in, true? This letter reveals something. It reveals the heart of a man who has soaked himself so completely in Christ that at the end of his life, he's got a lot to say and we should listen up. That's why I'd encourage you to not just focus on these nine verses, but go read the entire book of 2 Peter. That would be good, helpful, good for us, right? We got to get into his word every day. I wanted us to look at this because as we're going to focus on verses 8 and 9, um, let's, let's do a little exercise. Uh, I like doing this when I study scripture. I like to ask the, the questions who, what, when, where, why, and how, right? So let's start with who. Who was Peter writing to? Peter was a bond slave, totally sold out to all God wanted for his life, a full sponge, and sent personally by Christ an apostle, apostelos, from and to send, writing to, now catch this, people who have received the same faith as his, he wrote to them. Do you have the same faith as his? Have you placed your faith in Christ, that he really did die for all of your sins, all of them, that he was buried and rose again on the third day? Peter saw him. And Peter went to his death. I, last time I preached, I, I reminded us all, if you weren't here, Peter wanted to be crucified how? Upside down. You know why? Because his, fun, his sponge was so full. He, he was so full of who Jesus Christ was, he didn't see himself as being able to be crucified the same way as his Lord was. Crucify me upside down. I'm going to see him today. But remember, last time I preached, I brought up, he watched his wife die first. We don't oftentimes bring that up. She died the same day. She died right before him. And he said to her, today we're going to see Jesus. To people with that kind of faith. He's writing to. Same kind there, it's interesting. <laughs> I really love this, looking up these words. Same kind, it, it equates to like preciousness. Like preciousness to God. 
princess of heaven in this room, prince of heaven in this room, to people of like preciousness, of the same faith, those who believe are of the same persuasion, who know God through Christ. You know, sin is insidious because it causes us to, to miss the mark. And if we don't know Christ personally, we, the message today, if you've come in and you don't know Christ personally, please understand this. This passage that we're reading is written to Christians. Don't try to pull this off without knowing him first. Let's just start there. If you know you're lost and that there's something in you that's taking you somewhere else than Christ for eternity uh, because of what's in you, and you know it, and, and you're not going to be able to be in the presence of a holy God, Jesus Christ wanted to fix that problem for you. He bore the wrath that we all deserve. He cried out, it's finished for you. Believe that Christ died for all of your sins. All of them was buried and rose again on the third day. You got to start there. But if you've placed your faith in Christ, the reality is here, when we're looking at verses 8 and 9, he's writing to these people of like preciousness, people of the same faith, and he's saying, I want you to be fruit-bearing of high value. I want you to live in such a way you bring God glory, but I don't want you to forget what he did for you. I don't want you to be blind. I don't want you to be short-sighted. I care about you because guess what? I got that way. Peter got it. Here's a statement that always plays out. If we do not place our faith in Jesus Christ for salvation over the old nature, a diademic nature that destroys, we will never find out how good life could have been, but we will find out how dark it gets. But here's another true statement, believer now. If you've placed your faith in Christ and you are not surrendered to him, yielded to him, and letting him flow through you to bear fruit, you'll never find out how good it could have gotten. And you'll end up blind, short-sighted, forgetting what he did for you. It's real. It's sobering. It's not, it's not easy listening, right? We didn't start with easy listening, so why not just continue in this, right? All right, let's do this. And the reality of that progression is you can't stop it. You, personally, can't stop it. But if you go to the throne of grace and you confess it as, Lord, it's, I'm missing the mark. This is sin. I am not up to what, I'm not doing what you asked me to do. And I confess it. I'm calling it what it is, Lord. It's sin. And you saved my soul. And I'm calling it what it is. Will you flow through me? I want to produce what you want me to produce. He'll always answer that. Amen. Or if you don't know him and you cry out to him and say, I want this salvation, he'll always answer that. You don't have to be stuck there. Okay, so Peter was writing to precious believers and appealing to them, to all this adding to, adding to, adding to their life. But when was Peter writing? Well, he's writing right before his death. He's writing when Rome was still running the show and it was all kinds of ugliness all around him. He wasn't writing during a time of peace. He was writing during a time of ugliness, governmental war, Christians being murdered, ugliness. And he knew, if I, keep, if I keep with my full sponge proclaiming what I'm proclaiming, I'm going to see Jesus soon. That's us. Keep proclaiming it. However he takes you off the earth, you're going to see Jesus soon. I want to do a little illustration. I, I was going to ask uh, Ken Patterson to come up here. Ken, I, I saw you, man. You and I talked about being up front, man. Come here for a second. So we're going to do a little illustration. I told him to wear short sleeves. I hope you guys aren't offended the fact that I'm not wearing a coat and tie today. It's going to be over 90. And Pastor Ron years ago said, if it's ever going to be over 90, you don't have to. So I'm claiming that. <laughs> 
You good? I'm good. Okay, we're going to do a little illustration, you and me. All right. Good. All right, so here's what we're going to do. So let's talk about being a sponge. Well, let's start with this. So, Ken, this is a sponge. Yes, sir. It's taken from the ocean floor. Okay. This thing used to filter out like things and eat it and then spit it out. <laughs> and then we went along, plucked it up, dried it out, and you and I are here together. All right. Good? Give me your arm for a second. Some of these big old arm. What do you think the sponge is trying to do right now? Suck something out of me. It's trying to get something. Yep. Right? It wants something. Right. See, here's the reality, folks. When you walk in the room and you're feeling dry, you come into this room, you want something. You need something. You need to be filled up with something. You know what I love about this guy? Because I knew he was going to be coming this morning when he and I were talking on the phone. Man, he's a sponge right now. <laughs> he's soaking up God's word. God's changing this guy. I love it, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, let's, okay, let's go to the second part of the illustration. Right. You good? All right. So if I do this with sponge, now if I, if I you know, if God has like uh, cleansed me and I'm white as snow, white as snow, though my sins were scarlet, but now I'm white as snow, Isaiah, right? Yes. And then we, we, we start filling ourselves up with like you've been doing in the book of John and other places in scripture, and then we're in prayer continuously, and all of a sudden that dry sponge now is full of something, right? Okay, this is where Scott Hunter could get upset with me, so if you're in here, I'm sorry, Scott, but... <laughs> This is like, now what's happening, dude? Yeah. It that sponge now just came into your sphere, your area, and it's doing something. It's so full, it can't not do it. Oh, look at that. That's wet. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. All right. There you go. Don't hit me. All right. <laughs> when, when we're sitting here doing this with you, you're looking at a real life that's placed his faith in Christ not that long ago and is being filled and being changed and being transformed and is continuing to fill up and so every day is different. That's what we're after, folks. And I don't care how old you've been in Christ, we're supposed to be adding to, adding to, adding to and be that full sponge that wherever we go, Jesus is coming off. You just can't help it. You good? Yeah, great. All right. Best. Love you. Love you, man. All right. Good? What was Peter wanting for his reader? Look at uh, the passage again with me, and let's look at verses 2 through 4. Grace and peace. You want that? Grace, undeserved favor with God. Peace, a quiet oneness and rest in our Savior, a full sponge, fully satisfied. He wants that for you says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, and Jesus our Lord. He wants that knowledge for you. He wants you to understand him. He wants you to think about him. He really does. He wants you to think. He wants you to read his word, but he wants you to go think. He wants you to get into his word, ingest it as food, and then be thinking, adding to the knowledge. Not just reading it, letting it go out, and nothing happening here. He wants it here. He wants it here. He wants you to think seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Now that sounds pretty good to me. Everything pertaining to life and godliness, his power to live this, for by these he has granted to us his precious, hey precious ones, of like preciousness, he has precious promises for you. 
magnificent promises for you, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now catch this, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. He wants that for you. That's why we're in this book. That's why we're studying this together. It's what he wants for you. For the Holy Spirit, if you know Christ, he's in you. And that divine nature, every day we can escape the corruption that's in this world. As we're filling ourselves up, the things that try to come out of us won't because we're so full of Jesus Christ, his word, the spirit flowing through us. Because our life is too full to desire those things any longer. That's really awesome. Why is this so important? Let's talk about that for a second. Because Peter understood the adding process. It happened in his life. Peter had preached and 3,000 people had been saved. The power of the Spirit of God came into him and that very same day he preached and 3,000 people in Jerusalem were saved. And then a few years go by and he got around some people who were teaching the wrong things claiming that they understood the word, teaching the wrong things, and Peter drifted from loving and showing sacrificial love towards the Gentiles to only hanging out with Jewish believers. And when the apostle Paul caught wind of this, that Pharisee of Pharisees who used to persecute the church, who God transformed radically, he went to Peter and in front of people, confronted him face to face. How is it that you, a Jew, have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you don't have to go sacrifice lambs anymore, Peter. You don't have to go to the temple anymore, Peter. You're not bound by the law anymore, Peter. And yet you, a Jew, acting like a Gentile, are telling Gentiles that they must become like Jews, Peter. Hey, uh, good to know you, Paul. Um, Thanks for showing up. And uh, He had to do business with something, right? He had let his sponge start being filled with the wrong things, and it took him. He became blind to something. He didn't see it. He became short-sighted about something. He couldn't, he couldn't see past a certain point, and now he became religious rather than that true relationship. He forgot how he got purified in the first place, and Paul had to come and remind him. That's a good process, by the way, having people show up and reminding us to get it right, to get our compass right, to look into God's word and see it for what it really says if we've been deceived in some way or another that we get right. Because God's really there, he's right there and and ready to receive us as we come to him and say, okay, I blew it, Lord. I, I I confess that as sin, I'm calling it. I missed the mark there. I was not in the right place. Because ultimately, if we let people cause us to drift, people, can cause us to drift. They're not the enemy, but they can come in with the wrong thoughts. True? They can actually come in. People can come in. Read Second Peter all the way through. <laughs> People can come in and try to use this book to deceive you. Try to use this book. Read all of Second Peter. Read Jude. We're in the last days. They will come in and try to get us off track of what it really looks like to add to our faith. Moral excellence. And to add to moral excellence, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, we're going to add brotherly kindness, something that now reaches out and helps, 
And then to that, something that also reaches out and helps, agapao love, self-sacrificial love. There are people that would start to tell you, hey, let's just study this book together. And no, 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 no. Let me tell you what God's really saying here. And it's not loving. And it's not brotherly kind. And it does not have moral excellence. There's something behind it that's dark. Something behind it that tries to deceive us away from what God has in store for us, the goodness of it. You ever been in a rowboat? Going upstream? What if you're the boat? What if you're actually the boat? James uses an illustration of a ship in James uh, chapter 3. You're the ship. What if that boat cannot navigate that current against it without someone stronger in that boat rowing it upstream? What if we as believers can actually get deceived into trying to take the strength back to ourselves? That somehow we can do this thing and we forget who it is that's in us that wants to do the rowing boat because without him, you're drifting and you're drifting backwards and you're drifting towards stuff that destroys. Peter wants us to avoid that. Keep letting God add to, add to, add to, and keep working hard at this, Peter is saying. Surrender so that this will be added to you. Submission that brings about addition in your life. That's what he's saying. Without it, what ends up happening is, now, now this is where the illustration begins to get ugly. Because you do this, uh, this stuff is, is, is called special dark. <laughs> Only takes a couple drops. Let's just do that. Oh. See, the thing about it is a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And if we start, we put ourselves in the wrong position where we start listening to the wrong voices, being around the wrong things, we can actually find ourselves, uh, find ourselves actually filling ourselves up with what we're, we're trying to claim is okay. Like we're, we'll actually tell people, oh, no, 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 God understands me. Me and the big guy in the sky, we have an understanding, you know. He knows I mean it. He knows I'm good. He knows. And then literally what ends up happening, and this is where Scott gets really mad at me, um, the pressures of this world... Yeah, you're feeling dry, but there's something inside you. You're feeling dry because you're not drinking from the spring that Jesus gave you where you'll never thirst again. You're drinking from the dissatisfying things of this world. And all of a sudden, no longer is it that you're actually operating in a right place. Peter literally preached and 3,000 people came to Christ. And the next thing you know, he doesn't want to hang out with people that got precious ones. It doesn't take much. But then what happens is when we find ourselves dry and we're struggling, what ends up happening is the pressures of this world and we start responding in situations where something's coming out of us that we didn't see coming. Words can come out. We didn't know we said anymore. Behaviors, anger, frustration, bitterness, blinded, blaming, all these different things, making it all about everybody else. If they would just be this way, I'd be able to be this way. It's not the way it works, folks. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. 
I hear people tell me all the time doing addictions victory that I'm okay. You know what? You're not okay if you're getting high. It's not. You're not. I don't care. If, I do not care if the state of Oregon, in their infinite lack of wisdom, legalized pot. If there's anybody in here that is any kind of, any kind of mistake that I think that ha- because it's legalized, pot's okay, it is not okay. It is not. Well, it comes from the ground. So does poison ivy. Put that in your pipe. Now, for you that didn't understand the baby illustration, did you get that one? <laughs> Getting drunk is not okay. It's not. I had a young man one time in Starbucks was telling me how it's okay for him to drink because Jesus drank. Be careful with that one. Because when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ and there's going to be piles of wood, hay, and straw, and mine's going to be way bigger than it should be or gold, silver, and precious jewels, and he's working through what you did with the salvation, and you start using him as your excuse for getting drunk, he's going to have something to say about that. Well, Jesus drank wine. He's going to have something to say about that. Jesus was never drunk. The wine back then was different. And if you want to go study it, that's truth. And in the reality is, he'll have something to say about that child of God. It won't end up on the gold, silver, and precious jewels pile. Now, now, most of us right now are going, okay, I, I'm tracking. It's not, you know, gambling, taking the resources God provides you and wanting to take from another institution, and I'm going to go ahead and do this, and I hope I get something bigger back. Terrible. Having sex before marriage, terrible. Having sex with somebody while you're married that's not your spouse, terrible. Okay, now I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm hitting a lot of them, right? I've heard from people doing what I do with addictions that I'm okay. God understands me. He wants me happy. I've heard it. I'm working through them with the scriptures and saying, do you know where this ends? You are a drift boat with no rower and you're going downstream fast. But, but here's the thing too, is if you're filling your sponge with music that talks about all those things as if they're okay, or you're watching things in, in, you know, you're viewing it, you're taking it through the eye gate, you're putting it into this brain and this heart that's a sponge and you're watching it as if it's okay, if you're not in God's word, man, Matt, stop it. Nope, got to keep going. If you're not in God's word every day, believer, now, if you, if you don't know Christ, I'm not expecting anything from you. Just he wants to save your soul. But if you're not in his word every day, you know what you're doing? You're starving. You're literally not eating. Jesus said it was food for the soul. He said to do the will of God is what fed him. He was the very word of God. If you're not, if you're not in prayer throughout the day, that spring that you have within you, you're not drinking from it. That's also missing the mark, and it's just as bad as doing dope. What? Yes. Because if it's missing the mark, it's taking you away from God's best, and you're not soaking your sponge right. And it doesn't take much to have something bad come out. You ever felt it? Now, the beauty of me preaching this to you is the fact that I'm standing before you as imperfect as the day is long with a perfect God that saved me who put that spring in me. So I know, guys, you can check in with me tomorrow. The reason you, if you ask me how I'm doing, I say thankful. I never say fine. You know why? Because there's a lot to be thankful for, but I'm not always fine. So as we're working through this, 
we got to decide. How does this apply to you? This is where only you know and God knows. Inside you, you know. God's word is doing his work right now. Don't resist it. Hebrews 4 says, today if you hear my voice, don't harden your hearts. He's, this is the beauty of that same God, is you take that and you take it to the throne of grace because you have a great high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses, and in every way he was tempted yet without sin, so you might come to him to receive grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. That you can literally confess your sins and he's faithful and righteous to remove it all. And all the unrighteous has led up to it. My little children, he wrote these things to you that you may not sin. But if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation or full payment for all of your sins and not for yours only, but also for the whole world. The minute you go to the throne of grace, believer, he takes that back. That's the reality of it. And then as you're there, when those pressures come, he starts coming out again. Do not be deceived. You have a father that's the father of lights. And within him, there is no variation or shifting shadow. So when you go to him, say, Father, I see it. I need your help. That's sin. He takes you right back to what he sees in his son. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what's going to change our nation. We've got to decide, are we going to fill ourselves up with that every day? So then as we're wrapping up, are you feeling empty or are you volatile? Could it be that you have been filling yourself with the dissatisfying things of this world and you're seeing the result? Don't let the world blind you or influence you away from all Christ did for you on the cross. Don't forget the price paid for your salvation and the purity God has graced you with. It was a precious price. T- turn back with me. If, if you're in your Bibles, really quickly, turn to 1 Peter. It was a precious price, precious one. Look at verse 13. And we'll, we'll end with this. Therefore, verse 13 of chapter 1 of 1 Peter, therefore prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust with which you were in ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. If you address his father, the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during your time of stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. We're supposed to be in reverent awe of the Father because he would love you so much that he would send his son and he would shed precious blood for you, for me. We're not supposed to live in fear like the shoe's gonna drop on us. We're supposed to live in fear as a prince of heaven or a princess of heaven that says, King, what is it you want from me? I wanna be all about it. I'm in reverent awe of you. Look what you did for me. We gotta soak in that. And if we find ourselves anywhere else, run to the throne of grace. It was a precious price. It was his son's life for yours, and he rose in power. And remember why Peter wrote this, so that you might have that power. 
for all that you need for life and godliness. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, awesome God in heaven, thank you so much for this time with these precious folks of, of the precious like faith that Peter had. Lord, in each one of us, we know, you know, we know, and we're asking you in the midst of these things to have your way. I, I just pray for all of us to yield, to surrender to whatever it is the word of God is doing within us so that we might be fruit bearers, uh, useful, bringing you glory in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that we can come to you anytime, anyplace, 24-7, and not only do you hear us, you're already sending answers, and we pray these things, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing, Come Thou Found. Come Thou Found every blessing Tune my heart to sing Thy grace Streams of mercy never cease